The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. The scripture reading for today will be in John 5, uh, verses 16 through 24. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son, and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Father, I pray that now we recognize your son, that we recognize Jesus, who he is and what he's done, um, that he is God, um, that when he was here, he was both God and man. May we take in your word into our hearts. May we meditate on it. May you speak through Randall this morning and give us your word to meditate on as we think about your death on the cross and your resurrection. Um, May it sink into our hearts. And I pray that you bless us throughout this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Devin. All right, good morning. Uh, Happy Memorial Day weekend. We, um, you know, my family, uh, just to share a little bit about my family, uh, I come from a family that is a military family. Uh, My brother is a Marine, and a couple of weeks ago, I got to go and to his one of his graduations, right? And so I got to go to his Marine officer graduation, which was great. Um, very proud of my brother. And uh, one of the things we got to do, we were in Quantico, and I got to walk through the Marine Museum. And I was overwhelmed. I mean, the sacrifice that people have made uh, for this country is, is incredible. And so uh, if you're in the military, um, served in the military, I just want to thank you. Can we just thank those who've served uh, this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, this morning, as we're talking about uh, faith and work, how does your faith interact with what you do in everyday life? And so if you're in the military or if you're a civilian, whatever, whatever stage of life that you're in, how, how does our faith intersect with our work? Our text today, uh, as Devin read, is from John 5, uh, verses 16 through 24. And the message today in particular, and I think this is, uh, this is a good one. This is something that I, I really haven't heard very many messages on. It's authority and work. Authority and work. See, what does it look like to be a Christian in everyday life? That's the question we need to ask. 
Uh, How does our faith intersect with the way we approach our jobs and our choices that we make and the authority that we come under? You see, it it has everything to do with that. Uh, The mission of Grace City is to equip you with the gospel for everyday life. And what that means is that Jesus and the way of Jesus intersects with what you do with a majority of your time, which is work. See, we all work. And what we've been talking about in this series is it's not just drudgery that we've been called into, but a gift that God's given us before the fall happened, that it was a good thing, but that sin entered the world And so Jesus is helping us and guiding us and giving us strength on how to live in a world where authority is abused. It's abused. And so today as we're studying authority and work, I just want to give you a warning really quickly. As I've been going through my message, I've been thinking, uh, this is going to be one of those messages where you're going to be leaning over to somebody and nudging them and saying, I know somebody like that. Or you're going to say, man, I really wish that so-and-so was here, here to hear that particular point because they really need to hear it. But what I would ask this morning is that we come in humbly and we say, you know what? Maybe this is something that I need to receive this morning. Maybe the Lord is going to speak something into my life and encourage me to listen to what, what needs to be said because authority and work is a very important thing. Uh, At the end of 2015, there was a first ever U.S. study on workplace wellness. And it found that 80% of people would rather work alone because of unhelpful or hostile work environments. Now, why is that? Because for a majority of what people are struggling with, it's authority and people. Plato says the measure of a man is what he does with power. In our workplaces and life, some of us have power. Others of us may dream of having power. But I would also add to this quote that it's not only what one does with power, but also how one lives and responds under power that really helps make the measure of a man or a woman. It is submission under authority. In your workplace and in your life, I'm going to ask you some really personal questions. The first is, do you have a hard time submitting to authority? The boss that's really difficult, that puts a lot of pressure on you? Is it hard? Is that the reason why you started your own business? Or maybe, are you the one with the authority? And do you love holding it over other people's heads? See, what is a gospel-centered way of viewing submission and authority? The answer is probably not what you naturally think. It's what J.I. Packer declares. Weakness is the way. It's humility. Surrender. Timothy Keller on today's text says this. He says, in here you have one of the most practical and yet most unpopular of all of the Christian principles of Christian life. It goes like this. The way up is down. The way to reign is to submit. The way to power is to serve. The way to happiness is not to seek your own happiness, but the happiness of others. The way to exaltation is by humbling The way to find your life is to lose your life. 
It goes right in the face of not only all the self-help books, but also most of what people today call common sense. God invites us into his school of submission, humility, and weakness as we talk about authority and work. Gene Edwards paints this beautiful picture in his book, A Tale of Three Kings. Now, I've only got, I think, two copies out there. And, you know, we want to resource you with some of the best books that I think are the most helpful books in in helping you to apply the gospel to your life. And so uh, we, we try to get those out there. But this book right here has helped me tremendously. This is on the life of David. Talks about three different types of kings. So he talks about David as king, talks about Saul as king, and talks about Absalom trying to become king. But here's the picture that he paints in this book. He says, God has a university. It's a small school, few enroll, even fewer graduate. He has this school because he does not have broken men and women. Instead, he has several other types of people. He has people who claim to have God's authority and don't. People who claim to be broken and aren't. And people who do have God's authority, but who are mad and unbroken. In God's sacred school of submission and brokenness, why are there so few students? Because all students in this school must suffer much pain. And as you might guess, it is often the unbroken ruler whom God sovereignly picks who meets out that pain. Today, God is inviting you into his school of submission, humility, as you apply it to the realities of authority and work in your everyday life. And so today our text is uh, John 5, 16 through 24. And in today's text, we see Jesus give us a synopsis of who he is. He gives us a synopsis of, of the gospel, the good news. See, in verses 16 through 18, it says this, he was high up. He was equal with God. But in verses 19 and 20, he talks about coming down. He becomes submissive to the Father. It is the Father that shows him what to do. Verses 21 through 23, you'll see that he tells of being lifted up again, being placed as the judge. And in verse 24, he invites us to submit, surrender, and be lifted up with him. It's an invitation into a relationship But first, it takes surrender. See, what do we learn from Jesus about a life of submission under authority? We learn three lessons on authority today. And I'm going to give you all three up front. And here's what they are. The first is our struggle with authority. The second is our need for authority. And the third is God is honored through submission. And so our first point, if you're taking notes, our struggle with authority Let's take a minute, and uh, we're going to look at verse 16. Here's what it says. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus. Gives a glimpse into their heart. Because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. See, Jesus is coming in and disrupting what they thought was true religion. What they thought was truly following God. See, but what the Pharisees were also revealing in their heart was this, an inward stubbornness 
that put them in the place of God when they looked eye to eye with God himself. They were looking at Jesus as just another guy coming in. But what we know is that Jesus is God. He's God incarnate. He's God in the flesh. And so they are challenging him, being stubborn with the idea that he could come in and say, this is what the Sabbath truly is, because they had their own idea of what it was. So they had this struggle, and this was a struggle that resided deep in their hearts, and it was a struggle that all of us face because it's a rebellion that we see from the garden. It started in the garden. So as Adam and Eve were disobedient to God, what it was is they made themselves equal with God. They said, well, we, we want to be like God. And what happens was chaos starts to erupt. See, the Bible tells us that in our natural state, as we are right now, we are rebels against God. Romans 8, 7 says, The mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And so as we see the Pharisees struggling with authority, what we need to know is that is the natural state of the human heart. It's not just the Pharisees. It's us. See, our need is so desperate that God the Father had to send His Son, His one and only Son, Jesus, and our rebellion and resistance to authority is so strong that it put that Jesus on a cross. It's pretty harsh. See, it was true love that looked the Pharisees in the eye. And what we find from this text is they wanted to kill him. They were persecuting him. Do you struggle with authority? It's in all of us. And what we need to realize, it's not just with the person in our workplace, but it starts with God. Where are we struggling and rebelling against God? When he's coming in lovingly, inviting us into a relationship, where are we coming in and saying, I know better than you? See, in the same way, we could be persecuting Jesus in our own lives. And coming to say, I know better, Jesus. See, it's our struggle with authority, and it is deep-rooted. It's the thing in us that says, who gave you the right? Isn't it? Who gave you the right to say that to me? Who gave you the right to tell me this is what I need to do? It's a deep-rooted struggle with authority. Because it's not just the people that we look to, but it's also when we look up and say, God, who gave you the right? Isn't it? And so this, this, this starts vertical before it's horizontal. Our struggle with authority. But then next, the second point is our need for authority. Jesus is offering. And so as we see the, the Pharisees struggling with this authority, as God comes through Jesus into their lives, and they're wrestling with this, what we see is that Jesus shares with them who he is and, and, and really what's behind his life and, and, and how he lives. See, in verses 19 through 20, we see this. And so I'm going to read this real quick. It says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, 
I say to you. Now, when, whenever Jesus is, says, truly, truly, this is, th- there's no arguing this. Okay, he, he's basically saying, like, you had to have some witnesses to, uh, to, to authorize, like, yeah, this person's telling the truth. Jesus is saying, yeah, I, I'm, I am. I am the witness. Okay, I'm going to tell you, this is the truth above every truth. This is true right here. Truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. Do you see him submitting under authority here? For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. Jesus is explaining his relationship with the Father. See, as we see Jesus surrender to the authority of the Father, he invites us in and says, will you surrender under God's authority? Jesus is equal with the Father. Yet we see him coming in this earthly body like us, fully God, fully man, surrendering to the Father, the authority of the Father. See, what Jesus is inviting us into is our intended posture for life. Submission. Submission. Submission is our intended posture for life. Under God. Right, there are going to be people who are coming in your life. Maybe they'd be a good boss or a bad boss or people coming in telling you, what, here's what to do. What, but ultimately, as Jesus is inviting us in, he's saying, you are ultimately under the authority of God. How do you respond under the authority of God? See, as you're wrestling, as you're talking, come under and say, okay, am I submitted and surrendered to God? What is the kind of authority that God offers? What's the root of it? Verse 20 tells us that it's, it's love. For the Father loves the, sh- the Son. It's, it's motiv- There's a deep love that is motivating this authority. The word used here in, 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 in different passages when it talks about the, the, the love within the Trinity, within the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the love that's usually used is agape love, but here it is phileo. This is brotherly love. See, what, what, what self-help tells us is that you need to love yourself more. You need to love yourself more. That, that's what you need in your life. But many who are self-help experts can't explain why you and I, even though we might have extreme amounts of self-love, still have destructive tendencies. If we loved ourselves so much, we wouldn't do things that would destroy ourselves. The sin that we still have in our lives. It is self-destructive behavior. See, you and I can't have the love we need to truly love ourselves. We need something greater than our love to save us. We need a much broader love, a bigger love to come into our lives. And that can only come from God. And so as we see this love, this phileo love, this brotherly love, it's the love that speaks truth into our lives when we don't want to hear it. It's the love that sticks with us when others would give up on us. 
See, that's the kind of love that we see from God. The Father through the Son as He invites us into that relationship with Him. Our lives start to heal as we come under the loving authority of God. Your heart starts to heal. Your heart starts to become more of a heart when you're under the authority of God. Your life starts to become more of a life when you come under the authority of God. Your work starts to become work when you come under the authority of God. See, we see Jesus' love by the fact that he came. This deep love that he has for us. See, what if the Son never came? What if he never submitted to the Father's will? There would be no gospel. There would be no good news. We would not be sitting here talking about it today. As Jesus comes under the authority of the Father, submits to the will of the Father, we've got good news. And here's ultimately the, the good news. God is honored through submission. God is honored through submission. And so we see this in verses 22 through 23. It says, The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, all that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. This is about honoring, honoring God, living a life of submission. See, submission at the core is who God is. Theologically, the Trinity is held together through mutual love and submission. Jesus willingly placed himself under the authority of the Father, and that did not mean that he was any less God. But he gave up his authority of using his power as God to come and be like us so that he could save us. You submitting to someone else does not make you any less valuable as a person. It's deciding to honor another creation of God, whether or not you think that they deserve it. See, this is the test of true Christianity. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says this. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then right after this passage, it goes into what is called the kenosis passage, the emptying out. As Jesus emptied himself, He shows us who he is. Even death on a cross, it says. See, Jesus was willing to submit and surrender to the point where he put himself on the cross. And it says that he was lifted up and that every name, or, or, or at his name, every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. Jesus is Lord. See, through this surrender, through the submission, God is honored through it. And that's hard for us right now 
to really apply, right? I mean, to really work through. And so today, as we're, we're ending, I've got some takeaways that I hope will help apply this to our hearts and to everyday life, okay? And so I'm going to walk through this here. But as we're walking through this, how can we apply this to our hearts? Okay, so the first one is this. Acknowledge personal resistance to authority. Acknowledge it. And so as I'm working through this, I, I have to say to myself, yes. Like I can look back and throughout the years and say, man, this has been a struggle for me. This is just one of those areas where it's just hard to come under authority. See, we have a sin nature that makes us think we know it all. I mean, don't we? If it's not outward, it's definitely inward. We're thinking it. And many of us, and I'm just going to be honest, are surprised by our yearly evaluations. Every year. Right? And so it's like we come in to the boss and they're talking with us and, and, and they're trying to share some things with us. And it's like, I didn't even see this. This is new information for me. And why is that? Because we got to acknowledge and just come to the facts of, yes, I resist authority. Authority is hard for me. I have my moments. Just some areas that we can look at in our lives and say, yeah, this is, this is going to lead me in a really wrong direction when it comes to a, not acknowledging the resistance is this. It, we lean into an avoidance of accountability, a stubbornness in life, unwillingness to say sorry or not even knowing how to say sorry and apologize. Our attitude really stinks. Unwillingness to serve under a bad leader. Or in our mind, it's a bad leader, right? We say, okay, God, there's no way that you could have put this person in charge. That might be true, right? Like, they're a bad leader. But God has sovereignly put you in that position. And so how do we work through that? We got to acknowledge that we have a resistance in our hearts. I had to share this quote. This is from Ambrose Bierce. Here's what he says. He says, speak when you are angry and you will give the best speech you will ever regret. It's, it stings because I've been there. You know? And so just acknowledge that we have sin in our lives. And that's where it starts. Is personally just saying, God, here's my heart. Here's where it is. You know all the, all the places in my heart where I'm resistant to you. It's causing me to be resistant to people around me. It starts there. Second is authority comes from God. So we need to know that. Authority comes from God. Ultimately, we are under God's authority. Romans 13.1 says, There is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. In his book, Gene Edwards uh, writes in A Tale of Three Kings, he says, Authority from God is not afraid of challengers, makes no defense, 
and cares not one whit if it must be dethroned. You see, a lot of the times what happens is we start to feel like we've got to fight for our, our authority. I'm in charge. I've got this together. And so we feel like we've got to fight for this. But any authority that we have is God-given authority. And if somebody tries to take it, it's just like in the story of David, right? Absalom, if you don't know the story, Absalom tries to overthrow David. And what ends up happening? Ultimately, Absalom gets overthrown. Right? There is, like, God does not honor division in his kingdom. Okay, and so I'm just telling you, like today, like as believers in Christ, like what does it look like to come under God's authority first and just know that, okay, God is going to work this out in my relationships in my life. But ultimately, I'm under his authority. And I'll just share this too. For, for me, I knew that I was coming to an end of youth ministry where I was probably about two years before it actually happened. I just knew it. I knew that God was leading me to do something different. But I was called in that moment to work as hard as I could by the grace of God until he released me to do the next work that he was calling me to do. And so maybe you've got on your heart right now that God is calling you to another work or another thing that's out there. But I would encourage you to work as hard by the grace of God that you can through his power to work under the authority that you're under right now and you'll be able to leave well whenever you're called to leave. Just had to say that. All right. The third is surrender your schedule. Part of the authority piece is holding on to our schedule very tightly, right? This is about God's timing. And could it be that God is reordering your day with what you would call an inconvenience so that he could use you for his glory. Could it be that he, he's reordering whatever you thought like, was in your mind at that moment to use for his glory? Well, what about my promotion? It hasn't come on time. God could be saving you from something that you don't see. I'm just putting it out there. Power and authority could be one of the most dangerous things that we have. If we're given too much power and authority too quickly, it could be destructive. It could destroy your life. It could destroy my life. And so God on his timing is perfect. And if you surrender yourself under his timing, under his schedule... By the grace of God, as you are lowered, he will lift you up on, on his time. He'll be the one to raise you up. But are you willing to wait and to trust him? Matthew 16, 26 says, What good is it to gain the whole world, yet forfeit your soul? I'm in ministry, and I've seen people that were willing to forfeit their souls so they could gain whatever they thought the whole world was. 
Jesus loves you more than any type of success you could think you could accumulate in this world. His love is so much better than the promotion or whatever it is that we're fighting for. But it's coming under his authority and believing that. The fourth is our posture communicates our submissiveness. See, what you see in this text is that the Pharisees were in a posture of arguing and questioning Jesus' position. Who is this guy? How could he come in here and stir things up like he is? Who is he to heal this man on the Sabbath day? Jesus created the Sabbath. The only way we have Sabbath is because of Jesus. And these guys are willing to question that. Could it be that they're, they were wrong? Could it be that we're wrong when we start to question like we do? They weren't in a posture to listen and consider that this just might be the Messiah. See, and they were the ones that were ready to put him on the cross. I think one of the interesting things I found in this book, uh, A Tale of Three Kings, is he, he said, you know, like, as much as we want to believe that we know something, so deeply, we know it. I know this is the truth. This is it. Yet we don't have the whole picture and we don't have the whole story. Gene Edwards says, he's like, you think you know? He says, good thing you weren't around when Jesus was alive. I was like, dang. You know, <laughs> they thought they knew. And they put him on a cross. Do you have the humility to change your posture? Ask God. God, help me. Help me to see what I don't see. Help to change the posture of how I'm responding right now. Because humility, as my friend Amanda Pavich says, is this. Allow God to change your mind. Are you willing to allow God to change your mind about something that you believe so deeply and you thought to be so true for so long? I would ask you to consider that because our posture communicates our submissiveness. And the last point is lay down your spear. Submission and honor speaks much louder than being combative. In the Tale of Three Kings, um, I want to give you a couple quotes. And he, he illustrates and just shares. He says, you know, that David, as he was playing his music for Saul, Saul would start throwing spears at him. You know, he'd just start throwing, just chucking spears at David. And the question is, um, you know, what, what, do you, what do you do when the king starts to use you as target practice. What do you do when you're in a situation and your boss starts to use you as target practice? What do you do? 
says, first of all, he must pretend he cannot see spears, even when they are coming straight at him. Secondly, he must also learn to duck very quickly. Lastly, he must pretend nothing happened at all. Okay. But then he gives this insight on how not to throw spears. He says, you can easily tell when someone has been hit by a spear, he turns a deep shade of bitter. David never got hit. Gradually, he learned a very well-kept secret. One never learned anything about the fashionable, easily mastered art of spear throwing. Two, stay out of the company of all spear throwers. And three, keep your mouth tightly closed. In this way, spears will never touch you, even when they pierce your heart. Why does that resonate so deeply with me and some of us here today? Because we've been in situations where we've had spears thrown at us. And it hurts. It's hard. But what is the way of Jesus? Submission. Just a side note. You know, just for a minute, I want to speak to those who are younger here. We live in a culture right now that idolizes youth and disregards the elderly. We do. Love youth. Everything's great. Um, We idolize youth culture, trends, everything that's going on right now. Submit and honor those who've gone before. Please do not forget those who've gone before us. As I walked through the Marine Museum and saw all of those who've gone before, like, the, the generation that Tom Brokaw called the greatest generation, those who went through the, the Depression, those who went through World War II and World War, World War I, right? like th- those who were there who saw it. Guys, we cannot miss what God was teaching us during those times. And we saw revivals break through, break forth during those times. Because people were humble before God as they saw the carnage that sinful man could create. I just got to be honest. Like, my grandfather passed away a year and a half ago. And I wish I would have spent more time with him and listened to the wisdom he had. Like, like me and my wife were talking about this. Like the next 10 years of our lives, right? As we've been married for 10 years, I said, the next 10 years, I need to spend more time with my dad. And I need to listen to my dad and what he has to say because he's lived a life a lot longer than I have. Okay, as Grace City Church, we are not going to be a place that does not honor the elderly and those who have gone before us. Honor those Love those. 
Being old is not a joke. That's what it turns into, and I hate that. Guys, this great city. We honor those who come before and who have much wisdom that they we 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 need to hear. We need it. First Timothy five one through two says, "Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father." Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. The picture here is a family. It's a family. Lay down your spear. I think it's easy to feel like, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I'm right. You know all those times that I look back and I thought I was right? I might have been right, but I was a jerk while I did it. And that wasn't right before the Lord. Or I was totally off base. And I was so passionate about my rightness that it hurt a lot of people along the way. And so I'm asking us as Grace City to just come under the authority of God and say, you know what, maybe we don't all have it all together. Here's the gospel this morning. Jesus says in John 5, 24, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, just as true as it is that he is equal with the Father, this is also true. Whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. As wrong as we may have been, as many mistakes and sins that we have fallen into. Here's the beauty. We're not saved about, by how submissive we were at that one day where it was really difficult and we went off, right? We're not saved by, oh man, I had, you know, just real tension in my heart and I couldn't submit in that particular day and so I walked and stormed off. As many times as we've stormed off from God, it says, if you surrender to me, if you believe me, if you believe who I am, you have eternal life. The judgment that we deserve, we've passed from death to life because of Jesus. The gospel is this. It's ultimately about surrender. Without surrender, there is no gospel. It starts with surrendering at the foot of the cross. It starts by honoring the one who died for us, Jesus, and saying, Jesus, I lay it all at your feet. I lay my life down. It's no longer about me. It's about you. And as your life starts to be shaped and formed by that, you'll be able to navigate the very difficult waters that it is when it comes to authority in your work. Because he's with you every step of the way. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace on us. God, it is purely by your grace that I stand. I know there are many mistakes and and things that I've done along the way that have caused friction. It was my sin. And so I pray that today we surrender our hearts and our 
flesh and our sin right before the cross and say, God, we need you. God, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing. We pray that we are people who are passionate about Jesus and the fame of Jesus and not our own personal fame. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.